1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in, welcome in to a fresh and free episode of The State of Recruiting. I am your host, John Garcia, Jr. We are back. We are planning. The new year will be extremely exciting right here at SOR. And of course, on the mothership, CFB Nation, follow that platform, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you consume great college football content. Make sure you like, subscribe, rate share, consume, copy and paste, all of it. Tweet, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok if you need to. All the fine folks working hard at CFB Nation. Yours truly at State of Recruiting, Irish Breakdown, the Lucky Lefty Podcast, the All America Podcast. Every angle of college football recruiting, its future is covered simultaneously for free at CFB Nation. Right here as the show title and yours truly suggests, this is the state of recruiting. We are talking about the new, I guess, face of recruiting is not the right traditional phrase for it, but the new driver in recruiting, let's call it that. That's the transfer portal, y'all. The transfer portal in a lot of cases has become its own engine. And for a lot of schools, particularly in the Power Five, the transfer portal has become part complement to the recruiting regular the high school recruiting patterns junior college recruiting patterns of of every cycle and in other cases the transfer portal has become the primary source of talent acquisition there's you know 2000 kids in the portal less than half have made verbal commitments so a lot of kids are going to get stuck in that portal purgatory for another off season but we're not here To talk about the negative, let's start with the positive. Let's start with some of the best gets in the transfer portal. This isn't my top five portal gets or my top five players who have made decisions through the portal. These are five transfer portal additions that will not only make a huge impact at their universities, but in most cases, I would say three of the five, this has potential college football playoff implications on top of, the star power, the name power, the NIL engine that has now been thrust upon a new school. So let's jump right into it, right? We're going to talk positives in the portal, some teams scratching their heads collectively in the portal, and then some prospects that are still available in the good old transfer portal.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
1: quarterback position obviously the the singular positional driver of the transfer portal is the trigger man the signal caller the quarterback and I think you can go a lot of directions with some of these additions I love Tanner Mordecai up at Wisconsin I love a lot of these recent gets I really like Hudson Carter Purdue sneaky get in that regard but in terms of which portal get moves the needle to the point where you're like Could this be the missing piece? Could this be the oomph pusher for a program? And I think in that regard, and there's still some names out there, we'll we'll cover that later, but in that regard, how could you not love Sam Hartman to Notre Dame? Uh, No disrespect to Devin Leary, Brendan Armstrong, uh, DJ Uyangale, all these other players coming off the board at the sport's most important position. No disrespect to them. This feels different. Sam Hartman to Notre Dame both feels like a spark in the sense of they've got juice at that position that they haven't had in a very long time, in my opinion, but also in the sense of this is a great fit. Both, and this is key when you're talking Notre Dame, both culturally and schematically. And I think that is where... If you check all of the boxes like Sam Hartman should at Notre Dame, this should be different. This should this should adjust your entire perception of the 2023 season. It sounds a little hyperbolic, but it's true. I mean, did Caleb Williams to USC not alter your total perception of how the 22 season was going to go? Of course it did, and it should have. All he did was win the Heisman, right? So this feels like that. This feels like that type of piece to the puzzle. But the difference is Notre Dame's got guys. The great defense is all but back in 2023. The offensive line will be good. You got to replace probably the best tight end in the country. That's fine. But here's the other X factor, the wide receiver room through the portal and high school recruiting over the last two cycles, the high school or the wide receiver room, excuse me, is good. There is talent at wide receiver at Notre Dame. It's not just one guy or two guys. There are groups of players that can now complement what is always a steady run game, what is always great tight end play, what is always great defensive and offensive line play. Now you've got a quarterback who's been there, done that, with a wide receiver core who could feel like an upgrade than what he had at at Wake Forest. And look, Sam Hartman had dudes at Wake Forest, A.T. Perry on down dudes on dudes at different times throughout his lengthy career there in Winston Salem and and just for just for the 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 football nerds like myself out there that that want to dig in on stats you can go a lot of directions when you talk about Sam Hartman and why this is critical for Notre Dame I will go in in the trajectory department it's what I do as a recruit evaluator. It's what I do as a football evaluator. How have you progressed? What has it looked like from year to year? Not just, hey, when he's at his best, he's really freaking good. That's fine. You can you don't have to look hard to find that surrounding Sam Hartman. But look at the progression. Pulled up his numbers here. His rating, his touchdowns, his yardage, the averages, all have jumped up in the right direction. The only early knock on Sam Hartman was the efficiency, right? Look, Wake Forest had to spin it more than most and they rode Hartman as as much as they possibly could towards, let's be honest, overachieving relative to the talent level being brought in at Wake Forest year in, year out. But yet and still, Hartman increased the rating and efficiency simultaneously while having all of that thrust upon his shoulders. I don't need to get into the yardage and the touchdowns. It's like 100 touchdowns, 10,000 yards basically over the last few years. Those numbers are crazy. They speak for themselves. What I'm more impressed by is the increase in completion percentage over the last three seasons, so the COVID year 58.2%, 2021 589 over 63%. This past year, Hartman was. Okay. 30 plus touchdowns, nearly 40 the last two years. The rating also increased. And that's what really should get you excited as a Notre Dame fan. Because if 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 a lack of explosiveness in the passing game is something to be critical of relative to Notre Dame, the counter argument for that is what? Well, at least it was efficient. Right. At least they protected the football game manager status, Drew Pine, blah, blah, blah. You want to throw all that out there that pisses off Notre Dame fans. Fine. That was the counter argument. So in theory, now you bring in a gunslinger like a Sam Hartman and conventional wisdom says, well, it will be more explosive. But at what costs? Well, hold on now. Sixty three percent completion percentage, 159.4 rating, 38 TDs, 12 picks. There's efficiency and effectiveness there. So while the gunslinger term, and look, it's because Sam has a great arm, right? He can he can throw from multiple launch points, very comfortable working off split or off script, and he can hit that whole shot. And that's really the difference between him and basically every other Notre Dame quarterback the last ten years. Just because you're a gunslinger doesn't mean you're reckless with the football. I, I think that that's one of those '80s and '90s monikers we got to get away from when we're talking about football at any level, high school, college, NFL, XFL, USFL, whatever it is, we got to get away from thinking gunslinger means, oh, this dude just going to spin it and throw it deep no matter what. It's not that simple. So I, I think what's most impressive about Sam, beyond the big numbers, beyond the winning, overachieving, the grit, the athleticism, which is the underrated element of all of this, is the progression through the numbers and from an efficiency perspective, that he will bring to Notre Dame without all those things that maybe blurred some of those margins and perhaps increased some of those interception totals, right? Again, it's not going to be all on him at Notre Dame. I think that is why this Sam Hartman get could be critical and the difference between a playoff berth and not. For the University of Notre Dame doesn't mean I'm calling my shot for for ND next year, but this is the type of player that gets you over the hump. We, we still got draft declarations, spring ball, positional battles, and obviously the portal and freshman recruiting to dig into before we start making bold predictions for, you know, eight months down the road. But for now, this looks like it could be the difference between 10 and 2 and 12 and 0, right? We, we expect Notre Dame in that 10 to 2 ballpark just about every year whether it's brian kelly marcus freeman go back to Lou Holtz, whatever it is but it's about getting over the hump if you're notre dame right because you can get stuck in that we're very good and that's kind of it conversation and a lot of people cite that as the reason brian kelly made this move from notre dame to lsu you know that's a story for another show but players get you over that hump and i i like the ambition from Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman here, you would have been fine. I think that's the right word. You'd have been fine with Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine next year at Notre Dame, technically, right? Kenny Menchie coming in as a great freshman. You'd have been fine with that quarterback room. But it's about being bold and ambitious and taking that next step. And if Notre Dame is to take that next step, even the most homerish diehard Notre Dame fan will say, hey, it's got to come via the quarterback position. So now. You're bringing in a guy who is experienced for full seasons, really four and a half full seasons of power five college football under his belt, a ton of production, and now something to prove, which is really the X factor with Sam Hartman. What else could he have done at Wake Forest? They they hit their ceiling to me multiple times with Sam at the helm. Can he now help Notre Dame hit its ceiling? And if he can, you're talking college football playoff berth or in that conversation where Notre Dame hasn't been for a couple of years. You don't want to, again, you don't want to get stuck in that purgatory of they're very good. And that's kind of it. Penn state is there right now. Michigan is there right now. You see my voice toning down a little bit. Oklahoma was there under Lincoln Riley. I think that's part of the reason why he left. You don't want to get stuck in that very good, but can't get over the hump. Can they get over the hump? players make it possible and i think sam hartman to notre dame was the first big portal move that made me say oh this this feels a little bit different this feels a little bit different so again if if you haven't watched sam hartman don't think oh it's wake forest slow mesh. he's just reading defensive ends and pulling the ball and and chucking it over the middle it's not that simple sam hartman can get through progressions he can take his shots and his risks, but they're relative. It's not every single time. And he knows how to play on the big stage. I think that's that's another important element of playing at Notre Dame, right? 100,000 people, national schedule. You're going to go against the reigning Heisman winner next year, among other massive games. Can you step into that spotlight? Those are some of the questions we can't really answer through traditional development and quarterback recruiting. It's got to be through the portal when there's a guy who's been there and done it and Sam Hartman could be that gap closer there for Notre Dame. So again, this exercise today are just some of my favorite transfer portal additions. And we won't spend as much time on the rest of them as we just did with Sam Hartman, but that is absolutely where we needed to start. Again, quarterbacks are their own animal. We're going to try to switch positions every time we talk about a guy here today. So for the quarterback, Portal podcast. Let's wait till the deadline passes on the 18th, regroup, and then maybe next week we'll sit down and look at the best quarterback gets through the NCAA Transfer Portable. My favorite to date, Sam Hartman from Wake Forest to Notre Dame. If we're going to go hardest position on offense, let's go hardest position on defense. Next. And this is obvious, right? No disrespect to Tony Grimes, the Virginia kid who ended up at Florida state and the other great corners through the portal. But again, this is my list. My favorite portal get, of course, is Travis Hunter from Jackson state to Colorado. And look, I know some people listening just rolled their eyes, maybe dropped a curse word or two in there because I said that these gets are going to be the ones that can push you forward. And I know I framed that as hey, these are the kind of players that are going to push you from good to great or title contender to maybe title winner, something like that. But if you were one in 11, you can go nowhere but up. But is bow eligibility for Colorado and Deion Sanders, is something like that kind of its own over the hump? moment. I think it is. And I think bringing in Travis Hunter helps you in that regard on the field. And maybe more importantly, and this is true for a lot of these portal gets, this helps you off of the field. Let's just take this past weekend before we get into Hunter's game and impact on the field. Cormonty McClain, the number one cornerback recruit in the country, visited Colorado this weekend with Deion Sanders. What do you think that pitch is? Hey, I'm Deion Sanders. You guys in the camera or listening are Cormani McLean, Money, as he's called. Hey, Money. welcome to Welcome to Colorado. Welcome to Boulder. It's snowing right now. I know you're from Lakeland, Florida, but how about this snow? Let's do something different, right? And now I'm taking you inside the facility and I want to sell you on something. Oh, who's walking around the corner? It's Travis Hunter, the guy who Every young player wants to be from every perspective, right? Playing as a freshman, shocking the world, building a brand, NIL, blah, blah, blah. Oh, hey, it's that guy. Not only can you come here and be mentored by the number one corner from the previous class, but how about a guy who you're going to play opposite of as we collectively try to shake up this entire sport? That's the pitch. So, Now that Travis Hunter is on board, that that is visualized and tangible for some of these high-level targets. Because, look, Deion Sanders at Colorado, which, again, that's its own podcast again, you're going to get talent. You're going to get high-level talent. You're going to get power five talent, maybe more power five talent than you were getting at Jackson State, which obviously went incredibly well. But the needle movers, the guys who – put your school and your recruiting potential on the map. Those are the guys that help you get over the hump from where Colorado sits. Notre Dame, it's like, hey, title or bust, that's us getting over the hump. For Colorado, it's bowl eligibility, recognition, press, buzz. These players do it. Who was talking Jackson State before Travis Hunter made that flip from Florida State on signing day? Not a lot of people from a national perspective. Those are the guys that make that kind of move. And if Cormani McClain makes this move to Colorado, not only will Coach Prime get all that clapping and applause, but Travis Hunter and his decision to transfer from Jackson State to Colorado will get the assist. Maybe it's a hockey assist, but it will be an assist nonetheless. So this move I thought was really important for both parties because if you're Deion Sanders and you're selling – We are going to shake up the power five and I am bringing my Louis Vuitton luggage as he called it from one school to the next. No disrespect to Shador Sanders, his son, the quarterback of of the future and present at Colorado, but it was Travis Hunter that everybody's eyeballs, ears, uh, Twitter fingers went to. Okay. We know your son is a unique situation, right? Can you go out and grab Travis Hunter again? And that answer was yes, like what, less than a week into Dion's tenure there at Colorado. And this was huge because we know Georgia was involved. Uh, We know big time programs were involved for Travis Hunter, And it could have easily been his way of saying, hey, I, I, I did my, I don't know, how do I frame this? I did my own thing and went somewhere I could potentially turn around. Now, let me go. And kind of join the winner's club and go chase a ring at Georgia and help them on this quest for a three-peat that, if you looked at that schedule, looks very, very possible. It could have easily went that way. And I don't think anybody would have batted an eye if Hunter ended up at Georgia or at Alabama or LSU, which totally flipped their DB room in the portal, by the way. We'll get to that on another show. Nobody would have batted an eye at something like that. Like, okay, he went to Jackson State, did that for a year made his waves, made his impact, and now he's going to go go near the top. But for him to follow prime to Colorado, I think, does say a lot about Travis's belief in himself. Uh, and by the way, if there was a scenario in the Power 5 where he was still going to find a way to play both ways, bingo. It was Colorado all along. So really important get both on the field and from, from a program standpoint with Travis Hunter following Dion over to Colorado and without the drama. Remember the Caleb Williams following Lincoln Riley thing? It took seemingly months for that decision to become finalized. Wisconsin was in play. Uh, A bunch of other programs were trying to make a play for, for Caleb Williams. And he truly, truly gave a lot of them consideration, including returning to Oklahoma. But in the end, he ended up following Lincoln Riley. But the process to get there was one that created a lot of angst. Travis Hunters did not. He basically said, hey, my YouTube gets to this point. um, I'll let you know where I'm headed. People subscribed, including yours truly. And he announced it. It it was very straightforward, a little incentivized. But again, if you're building your brand under Deion Sanders, that's exactly the way to go. And by the way, other kids, high-level kids will follow that mold because it's called monetization. <laughs> so th- there will be a path there that Travis Hunter has forever forged in his move from Jackson State to Colorado. But I say all that to say on the field, now all of a sudden you've got the best corner in the Pac-12 assuming uh the kid from Utah and the kid from Oregon Gonzalez uh de- declared for the NFL draft, which I haven't been up to date on. I think they both have. But if those two are gone, you've now got the best corner in the Pac-12 in a year Where again, Colorado's got an uphill battle and a half because not only are you coming off a one win season where you're going to totally detach and and, and defile that roster and break it down to the bone before you build it back up with 20 plus players in the portal and counting. But look at the quarterbacks in the Pac-12. Hello? Cam Risings is coming back at Utah. Bo Nix and Michael Penix coming back at Oregon and Washington, respectively. The reigning Heisman winner is back at USC. UCLA got the number one quarterback recruit in the country, Dante Moore. The Pac-12 is swinging big at the quarterback position. I didn't even get to DJ Uyangalaleh at Oregon State. Right? The Pac-12 is swinging at the quarterback position. Drew Pine. At Arizona State. So having great secondary play is going to be critical for every program in the Pac-12. So for any school to grab an NFL day one starter type corner in any capacity, I don't care who we followed, is a very big deal. And Travis Hunter is that. I want to make that clear. This isn't just a great storyline journalistically to talk about. This is six foot one The most ridiculous ball skills you have ever seen on that frame, a maximized catch radius when he is playing offense, which again, I think he might do a little bit, and the juice and raw instincts to simply lock down almost anybody at the position despite not being there from a physical perspective. Hunter's got to add weight. The tech needs to come a long way before he is ready for Sundays. Yet and still at every single turn, playing great ball in the Atlanta area in high school, coming up in South Florida at the HBCU-FCS level at Jackson State, and now presumably at Colorado, this man has answered the bell. And he's either still a teenager or just turned 20. Very impressive stuff. I absolutely expect Travis Hunter to answer the call once he gets to Colorado for good Okay, we've spent a ton of time on Sam Hartman to Notre Dame, Travis Hunter to Colorado. Let's let's go lightning round with these last three of my favorite transfer portal gets to date. Again, we're recording this on the evening of January 16th, 2023. Happy New Year if this is your first state of recruiting experience in 2023. Let's stay on defense. Let's go to the big boys. Let's go up front. When this kid hit the portal, it was one of those where I'm like, no, this is obvious, right? He was looking at these schools out of high school, and a lot of buzz went towards this one school. He didn't end up there, but boom, now he's in the portal. He's probably going to end up there. That's Jordan Birch. I thought his recruitment came down to Georgia and South Carolina. He picked South Carolina, spent time impressing over the last two years, Hit the portal, and I was like, oh, this kid's going right back to Georgia. I mean, this is just a no-brainer. Georgia's losing Jalen Carter. They're going to slide him right in. Boom, bing, done, done. Like, why overthink this from a free agency? I'm, I'm using quotation marks for those who can't uh, see me here. Why spend a whole lot of time on this thing? And that part was true. Jordan Burch hit – I don't have the dates. He hit the portal, and a couple days later – He was on campus, and he was done after that. But it wasn't to UGA. It was to the coach who was recruiting him heavily at UGA that is now the head coach of the University of Oregon. Dan Lanning and company, not only crushing it in high school recruiting, but of course winning big, and I mean big, in the transfer portal. And you could argue Jordan Birch to Oregon is the best portal get of any in this uh, portal class of 23 beyond the quarterback position. I really like this get on so many levels for Oregon. If you watch the ducks this past year and Dan landing knows this better than anybody because he is a defensive guy. That defense was lacking extra juice up front. The offense was great under Bo Nix. The run game was there defensively. The secondary was awesome. I'd say the back seven was awesome. Noah Sewell patrolling the middle. Gonzalez uh, on the back end with with Bridges and the rest of the guys. But there was something missing up front. It might have been high level talent. It might have been depth, or a combination of the two. And if it was a combination of the two, you're getting a lot of those players back and adding, adding, an SEC stalwart in Jordan Birch, who was credited with 40 quarterback pressures at 270 pounds did you guys hear what i just said 40 quarterback pressures at 270 pounds this means he is rushing primarily although he's got the versatility to move inside and out he was rushing primarily from an interior perspective and still able to put that much pressure on opposing quarterbacks That is fascinating because now you pair him with the best pass rusher returning to the Ducks in Brandon Doralis, who is a similar style player, inside-out pass rusher, that is quicker than fast uh, but still brings enough power to wreak havoc. Now you're pairing those guys together. Not to the same degree, but did you see Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter together last year at Georgia? It made us talk about the Bulldogs as maybe the best college football defense of all time. And I'm not saying Birch and Dorless will be that at Oregon this year, especially as we just talked about the quarterback talent and the offensive talent in the PAC 12 is really freaking good. But if you could be the great value version, if you could be the dollar general version of that, oh my goodness, does, does Oregon project differently? in 2023 offensively a lot of those guys are coming back led by Knicks. right we've talked about it that offensive line will get better they were pretty young a year ago receiver core is great a lot of those guys coming back a lot more talent on the way through high school and the portal defensively secondary is going to lose some guys how do you replace them big question mark up front can you get better to compensate for that and this is an unequivocally positive answer of yes Oregon got better up front in this offseason, early in this offseason with Jordan Birch. Really like this get for the Ducks. He'll be an inside out pass rusher. He'll be an all Pac-12 performer, in my opinion. And he will help the Ducks contend once again for a Pac-12 championship. Let's move on to we're just playing out west today, right? Let's move on to USC for another former South Carolina Gamecock. I mean uh, Shane Beamer and company had a fantastic finish to the 2022 season, right? They upset Tennessee. They upset Clemson. Spencer Rattler announced his intentions to return. This is like, okay, watch out for the Gamecocks as, as that dark horse SEC East team. By the way, why do we do that every year? Why do we assume every year there's going to be an SEC East team that sneaks up on Georgia? Hello? Hello? Tennessee looked like it was a valiant contender, but that proved to be very uh, wrong to to not be sophisticated with my vocabulary at this very moment. That was wrong. Georgia dominated. Kentucky was that pick, trendy pick. Florida was the trendy pick in the East. It's like we're bored when we talk SEC East. Who Who can contend with Georgia? You know who gave them their best game? Missouri. Nobody talked about that preseason. But anyway... As, as the end of the 22 season was going down, South Carolina was sort of positioning itself to be that trendy SEC East upward trajectory type of pick. But then they started losing some really good players. They lost the edge to Florida State. Jaheem Bell also went to Florida State, the versatile tight end slash running back, which we don't say every day. Birch to Oregon, as we just mentioned, and then Marshawn Lloyd goes from one USC to the other. I saw some very funny Twitter jokes talking about him going from the JV USC to the varsity USC. And look, folks, this is a national podcast. If you are confused, people in the southeastern footprint of this great country often refer to the Gamecocks as USC. Sometimes it's USC East. They'll put the lowercase e next to the USC to signify that it's South Carolina, not Southern Cal. But everywhere else, USC means Southern Cal. And Marshawn Lloyd's move brought that conversation back to light. But I think more importantly, he could help bring some balance to USC. Because if you watch the Trojans this past year, Caleb Williams had to do the Sam Hartman thing by year's end. He had to put everybody on his back. Just like Max Duggan at TCU when he ran out of gas in the Big 12 title game before the playoff. That's not a success or a recipe for success. That is that is uphill and too many chips in even for a Heisman Trophy winner. After Travis Dye got injured for USC, the Trojans felt different. Now you got to try to figure that thing out. And Marshawn Lloyd is a perfect compliment to help bring that back because you got a whole lot of traditional running back. In Marshawn Lloyd, Uh, 5.2 yards a carry in the tough SEC. He can catch the ball effectively, had a couple of touchdowns through the air this past year. When USC was struggling, Marshawn Lloyd was kept a bit in the box, right? Spencer Rattler wasn't spinning it very well. We've all seen that story play out to a degree. But when he was on, South Carolina was able to roll because Spencer Rattler could provide some balance. I'm looking for the converse to that. Marshawn Lloyd will provide balance to Caleb Williams, and that attack, which is reloading at wide receiver, by the way, my goodness, that attack will be more balanced heading into early 2023 football with Lloyd, Relique Brown, and the rest of those USC running backs. We'll see what that roster looks like after the spring, But at the top, you know Lloyd wasn't going to make that move across the country if there wasn't a whole lot of promise behind it. And he'll join Caleb Williams as a fellow DMV, DC Catholic League guy commanding the backfield for the USC So really like that get Lloyd is balanced classic low center of gravity type of back no nonsense very decisive efficient in his movement skills good linear speed and enough wiggle in the open field to make you miss it's not going to be gaudy it's not going to be something you know breaking ankles type of type of runs but they will be churning and progressively impressive runs because he's the type that gets better when he has a full workload. The problem is South Carolina was behind in the bulk of their games there at the end and had to abandon the run a little bit, putting a little bit too much on Spencer Rattler's shoulders. So there's a bit of a theme here, as you see with these quarterbacks that have been a little bit up and down. Lloyd is the type of back that can bring you balance in that regard. So again, At the top of the show, we talked about game-changing transfer portal additions that can put you up a category. And for USC, it's very similar to Notre Dame, and their game against each other will help reveal this. It's kind of national title or bust at this point. So I see Lloyd as a gap closer for the Trojans as a three-down back as opposed to Relique Brown, who is more of a third-down back at this stage. So I do think that'll be a fascinating rotation. And I'm sure Caleb Williams is among the happier players there in college football. So again, portal players I like to help you jump up. Right, Hartman to Notre Dame helps you go from great program to maybe CFP contender. Hunter to Colorado galvanizes your recruiting efforts and helps you go from potentially one and eleven to a uh, bowl eligible. Jordan Birch, can you get over the hump to to help Oregon be a Pac-12? and CFP contender there simultaneously. Lloyd, ditto, at USC, at running back. And then the fifth and final guy we'll talk about today is Matt Lee, the center from UCF who is headed to the University of Miami. In-state transfer, not a big deal, probably got swept under the rug relative to national outlets. But two things here. One, what's the quickest way to establish yourself as a coach? Where do you build from? It's inside out, right? I think we could all agree. You build from inside out as you establish yourself. Mario Cristobal at Miami wants to build inside out, and he just got his starting center after, by the way, getting a starting tackle or guard in the portal from Alabama JV and JV Cohen and bringing in the best offensive line recruiting class in the country in the class of 2023. Francis Maui Goa, Samson Ocon, Lola, the headliners there. You are rebuilding your entire offensive line in real time. But bringing in Matt Lee stabilizes that potential. And the second point is, first point was, how do you build? Inside out. Mario, year one, a lot of issues at Miami. Let's circle back, strip everything, and build this thing from the ground up. Hence, inside out. Matt Lee, about as good a portal get as you could have gotten in that regard, right? Allowed zero sacks this past year at UCF. Second point. Five and seven teams are kind of trendy the next year. TCU brought this to light in a massive purple black hypnotoad tie dye type of way in 2022. So it kind of begs the question: Is there a five and seven team out there that is going to make a big jump in 23? There were some very key five five and seven teams in the country this past year, most notably Texas A and M and Miami. And if you compare those one-to-one, Miami recruited better in high school. They're recruiting better in the portal. And let's be honest, they've got the easier path towards being that better program while playing in the ACC's coastal division. And for those of you unfamiliar with the ACC, that's the one without Clemson, without Florida State, which looks like a 10-win team once again. So it's the one with Duke and North Carolina, and programs that are seemingly out there for the taking, Pitt, which is under heavy transition from its ACC championship two years ago. They're on that side of the bracket. So you've heard it here. First, it shouldn't surprise anybody if Miami turns this thing around. And if they do, the trenches will be the foundation of said turnaround. And Matt Lee specifically will be that kickstarter and that galvanizer, that organizer, that captain, that play caller, that get-everybody-right player for the U up front and in the middle, working in conjunction there with, we think, starting quarterback Tyler Van Dyke. That relationship will be fascinating, as will the entire offensive look at Miami, because there's already been some staff turnover under Cristobal on the offensive side of the ball. I think that continues, but regardless the talent along the offensive line has been upgraded in a big way. You could argue Miami has overhauled its O-line group about as much as any program in the country. I think Auburn is in that conversation under Hugh Freeze, but Mario Cristobal is doing it with that combination of portal guys, guys coming off of injury, Zion Nelson, and of course an influx of the best high school recruiting class in the country relative to the offensive line position. So Again, not my top five portal gets overall, but my favorite portal gets relative to jumping. Can you help a program make a move? Hartman to Notre Dame, Hunter to Colorado, Birch to Oregon, Lloyd to USC, Matt Lee to Miami. Those five are my guys in the portal looking forward to the year 2023.